Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, episode 96. I am Nicole. I am Single White Medusa. And we are Shakespeareans. <laughs> no. We are two people who remembered uh, the story that Nick forgot yesterday. Oh, you want to jump right to that? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Jump Gotta right to tie my, up that loose end. I don't like loose My ends. flailings. <laughs> my failings. My flailings. <laughs> I guess you can both flail and fail. Sure. Usually okay. when, a lot of times when you <clears throat> flail, you fail. You know what I think was going on yesterday is my occipitals weren't adjusted. That's true. You found that out And today. so I was very kind of foggy brained. Plus I've been training really hard lately. So sometimes when you train really hard, you can um, fry out your CNS system. And a good, great way to tell that you have fried your CNS system is you feel kind of like foggy brained. And maybe not necessarily blue, blue but kind of blah. And I didn't feel blah yesterday. I felt really raring to go. But at the same time, I was having kind of trouble, like, um, tracking, like, following following my own, following the genius of my own verbosity. <laughs> but I went to CrossFit today, and I do CrossFit with the chiropractor, so I got adjusted. And he was like, man, your occipitals are all jacked up. And I can usually tell when they are from a few different features. So I pointed him towards that. And uh, he broke my neck, and now it's all straightened out. So he didn't break it, but it feels like it. <laughs> and now I can think. Okay. Golly! So Maybe stupid good. people just need their occipitals adjusted. There you go. So everyone just needs to go to a chiropractor, and that will fix the world's ills. You learned something new about that today, too, right? Well, I knew something, yeah. and then I confirmed it. Okay. I hate to be like, I know this, no, no, too. No, no. I, I know all. I know all the things. I'm Zoltan. I'm <laughs> Put a quarter in me and let me tell you your future. <laughs> I missed that element of it. Okay. And that little thing was that something about... See, I missed the conversation, so I didn't totally catch it. Because both the chiropractor and I, and he is he's Japanese, American, and I'm black Irish American. And so we both speak in very low tones mm-hmm. and quiet. And it's funny. Neither of us misunderstand each other. I know. And, like, and I you, you who are a loudspeaker... Not really. I would say I'm average. Did you hear that note that you just that was a on? yeah. Not really. That was a bit of one, but, but tell, normally. Tell the tell the audience about your family Christmas. Yeah, I mean the the Portuguese half of my family, because the other half is white and they're very quiet. But the Portuguese half, yes, they are very loud, and that's why I say I'm medium because my family of that Portuguese side is like the quiet ones of the Portuguese. So I would say we're average because they were all like way louder. Can you describe the Christmas? Well, for one, let's start with when my dad would talk to my grandma while she was alive, his mother on the phone. Like I remember my whole childhood, he would literally hold the phone out like way far away from his ear because that's how loud she talked and you could hear her you know like I could hear her (laughs) it was funny but yeah like uh you first came to probably like a Christmas Eve because we would do Christmas Eve with that side of the family and um they they're just a very boisterous happy friendly bunch of people and like the more of them that fill up a room they just they all talk loud, but then because that this was what I observed. Yeah. yeah, I observed that when they hear someone else talking louder, they look over, they dart over with their eyes, they suck in more air, <laughs> and then they decide to talk louder than that person. I would assume that's it's like 50 different conversations that are all governed under those rules. I would assume that's where I dug down and found my opera pipes. Yeah. <laughs> because 
Because then you yeah. could do it. You could, yeah. You could do because it. that's what you do. You dig down, you take a deep breath, and you make more sounds. So, so it's funny. The two quiets, my my Japanese-American chiropractor and myself, we can understand each other. We don't have any hearing problems. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't understand anything we say. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need to hear it at a certain tone. Like, it needs to be shouted. I don't know. Or, like, just really enunciated well or something. Because my mom talks fairly quietly. Oh, now you're questioning my enunciation. Well, it's just that my mom is, like, a kind of... People think of her as a quiet person, and I never have trouble hearing her, which is interesting. <laughs> but she mispronounces a lot of things, because no. she's a reader. No, only, like, um, Latin words and stuff. You know, like, chili killies instead of chile killies. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. But not, like, normal words. Abby, I, I shouldn't say normal Abby words. Gon- Abby gone... Abby... 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 Like Latin <laughs> words, yes. But she pronounces them wider than anything yeah. I've ever heard. So that's <laughs> exactly. pretty funny. I know. And this is probably totally boring to the audience. Well, so let's get but, back on track to but, the story you forgot yesterday. But this show is about us, and so I'm cool <laughs> with that. We just do this show for us. In fact, I was thinking about it earlier today. I'm like, this show is just therapy. Like, for me. Like, to get it all out. And for you, you need to get it out. So, like, we could get, go on doing this show with no one listening. But I find, as a uh, person who likes to listen to shows or watch, you know, sometimes fashion YouTubers or we like a lot of news people, it's the, actually the best when people are just themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as you're like, oh, nobody wants to listen to me being myself because that's boring. But it makes it does make people more interesting because it makes them unique. And so, like, um, you know, like when... I don't know, Dennis Miller. I'm not saying we're as interesting as him. But, like, we liked when he would just be his quirky self. And, like, maybe he kind of knew the news and maybe he sort of didn't. But, like, he was entertaining because he was just being himself. And he's kind of an entertaining person. So yeah, I, I would I would like to kind of know the news and sort of, dor- <laughs> so, sort of don't. Like, the things I've listened to in the last 24 hours, I'd like, I've decided I'd like to be a little more ignorant. <laughs> exactly. I'd like to not know what's going on. Thank you. Like that was what he that was like his joke was like show prep is my life but basically it would come out that that was totally sarcastic and he would do like literally zero show prep or maybe like one minute right before he went on. I have this so. fantasy that like maybe because we enjoy this so much like people will like it in a big major network would like <laughs> not like like a major a listening network but you know maybe a cool one like like Cumulus but yeah. then we'd have to be like Dan Bongino no, and no. be like nope you're doing like, the Vax Man like right? if Alex yeah. Jones's people want or Tim Pool they're yeah. like hey we want you to fill up two hours yeah I, w- I would I would go and do that and and I would I would employ the Miller rule for show prep I, I would I would say show prep is my life and I would do no show prep and I would just fill two mm. hours with really with my well, you would need me to fractured. do some show prep. Oh, yeah, you like, got a show yeah. prep. I'm not like, show I don't prep. think you can just totally... I'm busy working out and writing about uh, rangers fighting goblins and elves and and eternal space mercenaries and some other fun projects I'm coming up with lately. Is I'm thinking like... about writing... Um, I mean, I probably shouldn't say it here. But li- because you guys are cool, I'll tell you. I'm thinking about writing a history, but in a totally imaginary, made-up fantasy history. Hmm. Of what? I, I kind of got this working idea that I want to write about, but it's it's like it would be like a history book, but it would be all made up. Hmm. I mean, that's intriguing enough to like look into and think about a little more. Also, did you mention the series that starts with a T, the character? It's four letters. Did you say that one already? No. Oh, oh, the Sergeant Thor series? Yeah, did you mention that? Yeah, I'm just waiting on the green light from that, from Audible, if they're going to buy that. 
That would be I mean, cool. even if they don't, we're going to do it and then pay for it ourselves and, 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 and profit better by doing it ourselves, which is really what I'm advocating to everybody. But I do like to constantly keep Audible having a project mm-hmm. so that so that they're in bed with me. Yeah, and like diversify. Yeah, and diversify. And um, and so we're just waiting to back to hear on that. I think on that and maybe like another series, but I forget which one. What that's called that one? the other series is Delta Kings. Oh, we've that's we've right, offered yeah. them both both series. Yeah, and they're interested. It's just they're very interested because Forgotten Rune is doing so well. Like yeah. like Forgotten Rune is really just resonating and hitting this like really cool sweet spot that it's funny when you read the reviews people talk about it they're like oh i didn't realize that i wanted this and i really thought this concept was kind of wonky and then i read it and i liked it and and i thank god for that i thank god for the writing i i I thought the concept was interesting and i and and i kind of foresee I, i think a lot of people i think in the next Six months, you're going to see a lot of sort of my indie peers start to do this sort of Wargate concept because I think people like it. And I think it's fun. And I think it's a natural evolution of of the Space Marine concept, which has probably had its run for now. Everything kind of has a run and then it backs off for a while. Then it comes back. Like when I started, it was post-apocalyptic that morphed into zombies, things like that. So, you know, uh, it's always fun when you're at the top of the cycle and you've got the hit series and you're making all kinds of to cash on it, and you're just like, this is going to go forever. But as the old Italian grandmother will say, whatever comes up... Must go down. Must go down. I didn't know that was an Italian saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, back to the story that you couldn't remember yesterday. Let's see if I can forget it again. Um, the, the thing was the tale of two actors and what it's like to end up on the cutting room floor and then what it's like to be defeated and then kind of dig down and so the first guy was the guy that i don't know the name of that was the friend that was in the bruce willis movie and he ended up having all his parts cut out but he blew all his money on a cadillac and advertising because this part was gonna make his shizzle and when the show uh, debuted, he was completely, I mean, I think he had like one line in the movie and he was complete. But like, as I understand the way my friend told it, he said, oh, this guy had like a whole character arc and he was a major player in it. And you and I saw that movie early on when we were first dating, but it was kind of stupid. It had Denzel Washington and Bruce Willis and, and um, Miss Annette Benning. She was in it too. Yeah, um, so we, I always say I Miss remember. Annette Benning because like we went and saw The Cherry Orchard. In, in LA, which is a famous checkoff play, and you know checkoffs what all the important actors do. I did checkoff, but I did it badly, just because I wouldn't. Just I did it badly out of spite. <laughs> I didn't want. I didn't want to sell out and do checkoff well. Yeah. That was my excuse. I did checkoff too. I just Same couldn't. One. I couldn't get a lock on the character, and I had too many people yeah. pressuring me. And I had this weird chick who wanted to do a love scene with me and fall in love with me, and I just like, I could not, because I I like just doing villains and scene chewers. Mm. I don't. But it's weird. They wanted to keep casting me as sort of romantic, faded leads. Because then at the end of that sort of conservatory, they put me in another one. I'm like, that's not what I do. You are so good at villains. Maybe it was that there were no other, like, good leading man types. And so they're like, well, there's, like, you're the only one that kind of fits that. And maybe that's why they kept pushing you that summer. Because you are so good at villains. Why, thank you. I'm actor Troy Hauser. (laughs) I should have changed my name. (laughs) Troy Hauser. Leading man. This is my main lady, Donna. <laughs> I'm going to get in my Firebird Trans Am Burt Reynolds mobile and go up to Malibu and meet with some actors and sit around a campfire with Elliot Gould and 
Talk about the scene, man. See, I could have been that guy. Which you just saw a Burt Reynolds mobile. I did. I took uh, a picture PCH of it today. and sent it to somebody that that uh, is sort of a is a who who has patterned his life after the Burt Reynolds mustache. <laughs> so okay, so he looks like that in real life. I didn't. So, anyways, that was that actor. That is the tale of one actor. Mm-hmm. The other tale of an actor uh, involves a show that you may or may not have heard called News Radio. And everybody knows the most famous guy in news radio who was on that show right now. And that guy's name is Joe Rogan. Mm. Yeah, Joe Rogan was not the original uh, actor cast for that role. They shot a pilot before. And the actor who was in the pilot, they said, this guy is not funny and no one would watch him. And we're going to hire everybody else in this series. And I think it was like... Phil Hartman, you know, uh, uh, the kid from um, Kids in the Hall, who is just like really great as a straight man, and and uh, oh, like like just absolutely uh, solid veteran character actor Jimmy James. What is his name? Um, but you see him in everything. He's he's in everything. I always forget his name because he's such a great character actor. Uh, Candy Alexander, who's really smoking African American lady, and and just like. Uh, and then another another lady who went on to have a show like everybody in that series like was just like solid, but the one guy in the sort of station handyman role was like they just said like when the executives came in they're like we're going forward but we're going forward without you, and that's it you sh- you had your shot you're over you know you see you later buddy, um, and so they hired Joe Rogan to replace that guy and Joe Rogan did an outstanding role made that role his own in news news radio kind of this very extreme sporting activity guy um very like hyper serious uh which is kind of joe rogan and joe rogan took that and then he went to fear factor and then he went to just being joe rogan and obviously you know he did really well on that the story is not about him and you might say like who was that other actor who who got you know kicked to the curb and like who's that chunga like you know what year did he commit suicide (laughs) You know, what, 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 what restaurant is he waiting tables at? You know, like sitting there, ah, you know, Joe Rogan, you know, bitterness and spite. Nope. That guy's name is Ray Romano and Ray Romano got fired off of that show. And, and I remember listening to an interview and he was talking about it. It was like, it was really devastating. Cause I thought, you know, I'd worked all that time in stand up, and this was my, my ticket in Hollywood. It was all come, kind of coming together. And like, it sidelined him and for about a year or two and he had to go back and dig down and kind of keep working and look for his next thing. And ultimately he comes and, and, and I mean, during its run, like everybody loves Raymond was the highest paid show on TV and they all, they all made a ton of money off that show. And I know someone who knows Ray Romano. He says he's a really, really great guy and really nice, really humble and everything like that. But it's just a tale of two people, you know, like one person banked it all and failed and you never heard from him again. And another person got his shot, got kicked off. The, the, the boat went on without you, which is always crushing when everybody goes off to have fun and success and you're not going, but you were part of that initial sort of, and that's that, but he, he, he didn't let that keep him down and he came back swinging and everybody's loves Raymond had a really good run, really good run. He still does well, still does TV shows today, but I think um, he made a movie, and I always love this quote, and there was a love scene in it, and he's a comedian, you know, and, and his wife said, you know, like, she was upset about the love scene, 
and the news person asked her they're like you know like uh like is your we hear your wife is kind of upset that you had to do a love scene in this and he has that very Romano voice you know where he talks like this and he's like well i just told her to go cry in a big bag of money <laughs> you know which is kind of funny to me go yeah. cry and i and i often use it to you go you cry do. in a big bag of money <laughs> it's so weird because to me ray romano and joe rogan are like fairly opposite types it's funny that they were like both the same character which i guess would make sense why they went away from him maybe they just decided we want a completely different type my guess my guess is that ray's energy was too low Mm. and he was gonna he was gonna be a little uh um downbeat for the cast And, and news radio had such a good run it was a good call like you can say whatever about the executives but but ray's energy is low you know, like he is a, he, you know, it's, it's he's kind of like, he's the every man who's getting worked. And they already had that guy on the show, which uh. was Dave. I forget his name, uh-huh. uh, but the kids in the hall guy. Okay. So Joe Rogan's energy on that show was very much like, um, over ambitious, excited, you know, it was, it was much higher yeah. and more serious. And so that, that was the adjustment and it was a good call on everybody's part and, you know, divine providence because the money he made on being Ray Romano as opposed to being the fifth wheel uh, on the on the that show uh, is way more like yeah. way more you know yeah. maybe that's what helped Ray Romano be humble later in life though like I think it's easier for people when they've had some failures but like the people that get everything all up front like it's really hard for them to like kind of yeah and the guy that the guy that we know uh, is a is a is, is a pretty world-renowned surgeon and the way that they know each other is he's best friends with Ray Romano's brother and they all grew up in Queens, right? Mm, Queens. So, yeah. yeah. And they all grew up poor or, you know, like middle class poor or whatever. And so, uh, even this guy who, who probably, you know, he's a very humble guy. Like I think people who've had to work their way up, yeah. you know, not people who have, who've had everything handed to them. Yeah. I'm not saying always, but they're, they kind of get it, get what it's all about. And it's not necessarily about all the things that you want it to be about. Yeah. Um, you don't run around thinking you're the master of the universe and you get to basically openly decide what everybody else is going to do with their lives and their freedoms so that you can have your perfect life. Yeah, exactly. You're having champagne today in the car. That's right. I know. It's a fancy day. Do you want to get out your notes and tell us where we're going? Yeah, I got them right here. Um, There was that interesting article that Belly Dweller, I think, sent you, um, basically about how the left is always projecting, but it really spelled it out in a really good way. As yeah. in, they're always projecting on us what they're actually really doing. But Yeah, I thought that was a really... Uh, Belly Dweller is our, our code name for a Hollywood insider that I know that's connected to some very powerful people and does some very interesting things and over over uh, overhears, eavesdrops on some interesting conversations. But today, he sent us an article this morning, and I thought, you know what? This is a really good article. Let me give this a read on air. It's not that long. But I think I think it kind of sums up everything that we've been trying to say about, you know, kind of really how the left is. Let me put on my reading glasses here. No, I don't need reading glasses. But I have these sunglasses on and I feel like... That might be too small for you. Maybe let's go like this. Uh, there we go. No, it's all good. All right. So this article is from American Greatness. And it is by Dan Gerlertner. I've heard that name before. This is like 
blinding me. Oh. And if we keep playing with this, oh man. Okay. Can you bring that up real quick? Yeah. There we go. Just a little. Hold on, real quick. Into. So, let's just move this. Like you hold that. Let's just. And so there we go, right there. So this article is uh, "American Greatness" by Dan Gerlertner. Probably saying that name wrong. And it's called "The Left Is Everything They Hate." Now, a lot of people have said this, and if you subscribe and listen to certain personalities and things like that, they will tell you that SJWs always double down, or the left always projects. And they're right, you know, regardless of what you want to feel about them, or a lot of the times what I'm thinking when you look at the Alex Jones example and the things that people said about him, and even my own sort of preconceived notions about him, and then I, I listen to him and I find a lot of it to be interesting and insightful, some of the things that he was talking about last night, what was that about? Like he'd interviewed people 10 to 11 years ago regarding something. And a lot of those people had ended up getting firebombed and assassinated because yeah. it, had, Oh, it was about, it was about Fauci mm. using orphans to test AZT. Yeah. And, right. and, 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 and yeah. And Alex Jones yeah. had interviewed these people way back and he said, you're crazy. And, and Alex Jones said, you know, like, I followed up on those stories, and a lot of those people died, were firebombed, uh, had mysterious accidents, committed suicide, and everything like that. He's like, and he made it really thing. He's like, I don't always, you know, he's like, I don't always think about these things because they're pretty horrific, and I keep shouting at you guys. And no one, anyways, a lot of the times Alex Jones turns out to be right. I know, I know, that's crazy, and it's like, it's in that, it's sort of in that Trump apologist mode. You're like, I like Trump. I know the tweets are bad and all this kind of stuff. Like, we had to say that for a year. Like, I know Hitler wants to grab women. Trump bad, but I love paying $1.25 for gas. <laughs> you know, now it's like no one says, oh, you know, I, I really don't like um, Trump's tweets, but I, I'm so glad they're gone. And I just love paying um, $7.24 a gallon for gas. Mm-hmm. This is really, No one's saying that right now. No one's saying, but man... You would mention Trump, and there would be people who voted for him or didn't, like, oh, I don't like the tweets. And I'm like, how fragile is this society that you can't take just people speaking bluntly or whatever? And, like, literally, you effed yourselves on your economy and your gas because you didn't like the way the orange man spoke. And it wasn't about that. Your mind-controlled puppets, mm-hmm. your slaves, not this audience. I'm not talking to you, but... That's what isn't that what you kind of want to scream at everybody? You just sold out because you were told to sell out, and now you're getting the vaccine because it's a biological collar, and there's actually evidence why you shouldn't, and you're doing it. You're a slave, and it's funny to see people like hide behind this. But I'm smart. I've been to college and I have degrees, and you're like, but you're you're not taking in all the evidence. You're just doing it, you know. I, but then some people, you know, some people are doing it. Because uh, they've done the risk assessment. So I like to think that people that I know that have done it, that's what they've done. But I'll tell you what. I've heard some really dumb reasons. I wanted to go to Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Really? Said by someone who lives here in Orange County where, like, you have beautiful beaches to go to. Like, you know, it's not like you're landlocked. Like, you have somewhere that's fairly similar to Hawaii right where you live, which is crazy. So this article is by Dan Glertner. It's called The Left is Everything They Hate. 
The left's prescriptions are the black mirror in which their personality is reflected and amplified. Can you hold this? And I'll just kind of hold this up here right there. And then this thing keeps blinding me. If there is one lesson I learned, writes Dan Glertner, in the startup industry, it's that people tend to assume everything else will behave the way they behave. There was a revealing education in human behavior. So that was a revealing, this was a revealing education in human behavior. Someone who accuses everyone of cheating is likely to be a cheat. Someone who tends to be trusting is likely to be trustworthy. We've said that. Like, that's mm-hmm. something stepping out. This is the Medusa and Nick. You know, we've, we've kind of noticed that. Like, people who project, like, who say these things, like, it's usually nine times out of ten. The, you know, the guy who's running around accusing his wife of cheating is usually cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, unfortunately, writes Dan Glertner, of course, trusting types don't always make the best businessmen. This quirk of human nature, the tendency to see everyone else through one's own reflection, often makes victims of the best people. There is nothing quite as rotten as seeing a crook accuse an honest man of being a crook. And it does make me wonder about many of the things the left says. Do they accuse people of not paying their fair share of taxes because they know in their Silicon Valley mansions that their own lifestyles are wildly divergent from the economic views they espouse? Do they think that parents can be trusted to raise and educate their children because they themselves have raised Hunter Bidens? It is weird. We've kind of like seen that like in our own lives, like, you know, being in the opera, being around sort of that sort of upper middle class lib crowd who like who consider themselves, oh, I've been to Europe and I have a college degree and I read this NPR novel like but then you kind of you look at the things that they're telling other that they're advocating and it's like but that's not how you live your life Mm -hmm. you know like the biggest glaring example is the homeless situation in la you know they don't live their lives like in any meaningful way like they advocate for people who are who are mentally ill and in need of serious counseling and instead they say oh i'm doing something and it's like these people's lives are are worse than it's possible you know or like they they want you know illegal immigration and to say these like pretty little words about like oh every dreamer having a chance and everything like that but these are the first people in their unions professional unions in hollywood to make sure that they have the best roles the best opportunities the maximum amount of secured income and then take the newer people and basically treat them like shit mm-hmm Okay. Exactly. So true. Back to the article. Do they believe they can't be trusted with guns because they themselves can can't be trusted with guns? Anyone who's grown up around guns because he fire uh, before he fires his first shot learns that every gun is to be treated as loaded. That's definitely a jab on Alec Baldwin. You know, like there is again an actor who, you know, relentlessly railed on and on about gun control and sits on a gun control board and all of these kinds of things. And guns are bad and, you know, like mocking cops and everything like that. The first thing, though, that he's doing is he's out trying to advance his career on a gun, making a movie that involves guns and violence. And and I'm pretty sure it's not an anti-gun movie. He's not like the bad horror of guns. 
and and then criticizing people who like guns or use guns or you know have a hobby with weapons and everything like that but never once taking the time to to understand how they treat guns respectfully and then what does he do he goes out and very cavalierly and it's probably you know if you if you uh read my friend um gun rights lawyer andrew bronca's summation that's over my facebook page he thinks it's homicide and it will be charged most likely as involuntary manslaughter now that's in a perfect world of fair laws and fair courts and that's the evidence that's the actual judicial let's look at the evidence but um, everything is shot through the political lens now, so let's watch how that slime bag slithers and sleezes his way out of this and manages to throw somebody else who's probably just starting out under the bus, because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do they believe that people can't be trusted with guns because they themselves can't be trusted with guns? Anyone who has grown up around guns before he fires his first shot learns that every gun is to be treated as loaded. Sweeping someone with the muzzle, even of an unloaded gun, will get you banned for life from any firing range I have ever visited, writes Dan Glertner. But perhaps, if you don't have the training of the common sense, you assume what Alec Baldwin said, you know? Like, he assumed no one should have guns because he was clueless about guns. He didn't think that the people in this podcast, like, are passionate about firearms, would never want to recklessly hurt anybody. And I can also go one step further. Most of those people that I know that are really, you know, like, let's gun nuts, people who spend their extra income on guns and training and the beauty of guns are people I know who collect, like, guns and make quite a lot of money doing it. These people will often tell you that they would, they hope they never have to use them. They have no wish to ever have to hurt anybody or anything like that. So, but here's Baldwin who just thinks, you know, that we all want to like get an extra 44 Rhino Chiapas, 44 Magnum, you know, with our next uh, Slurpee because like, you know, that's, that's how we, you should be, there should be a gun dispensary machine at uh, 7-Eleven and you should, you put your money in and it comes right out, you know, like it's already loaded and you could just rob the liquor store right there. <laughs> Does the left claim that society is irretrievably sexist because they themselves are sexist? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one we can tell you about, I would say, from the Hollywood perspective. Because mm-hmm. we worked with uh, a famous opera singer, Placido Domingo. He was Me too It was common knowledge. Yeah. Like, 100%. Like, you can go back and read the Vanity Fair uh, article on Placido Domingo and, you know, like, you can hear all these opera insiders like, oh, we never knew this was going on. We love women and support them. And, like, we were literally in the trenches and, like, knowing that, like, women were offered up to him by the the crews and by the everybody involved knew that that was his peccadillo. And they tried to facilitate them that for them. Um, they tried to facilitate that for him so that they could be in the inner circle. And, and as I lay that indictment, I'm going to lay that indictment on myself. No, I didn't ever facilitate anything, but there were things that I saw and, and among opera singers or, or even in the studio movie industry that I should have said something and I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I just said, well, that's not my circus, not my monkeys and you'll get fired right now. But I look back on it now, and there's one particular incident where I should have flat out said something, and I didn't, and I was wrong, and I'm waiting to run into that person that I saw who was being abused so that I can tell them that I was wrong. I don't... 
run into. I know where we could run into. Yeah, and I and I need to run and say, you know, I should have stood up for you right there, and I didn't. Um, and there's no defense for that. I could make all these like, oh, I was new and I didn't know what I was doing. It really wasn't my gig or whatever. But I should have done something, and I didn't. But I can say that, and then I can say this: everybody knew. They always know in every organization. So when they they claim that oh Trump's a sexist and everything like that, that was the biggest laugh to everybody because that's that's all. I mean, I have heard people on the cast of West Wing talking about women. I have heard all the biggest names, and it, and it was never like Me Too or Women Are Sacred or Mighty Girls. Like I mean, they talked about them in the most derogatory and um, you know commodity esque terms. So that's all bullshit. They talk a good game on women's rights, back to the article, but they side with the alleged rapist and against the victim in the Loudoun County rape case. Bill Clinton continues to be welcomed and adored in polite Beltway company and elite academia, even though he has an epic record of sexual predation. I like it when people use the word predation because you can really roll that R. (laughs) Exactly. Predation. Good heavens, do you accuse me of predation? (laughs) Now he's lost his place. And his wife, Hillary, was perfectly willing to help disparage and discredit Bill's accusers for the sake of their own power. You have to remember that, and it's always worth repeating. George Stenophilopoulos, (laughs) Snuffleupagus, who's on ABC, champion of women's rights, and the sole interviewer of Fauci, you know, he's the only one who can handle him and all these kind of things. You have to remember this guy waged war on women who had been raped at the behest of the event horizon of femininity that is Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. These women, like you follow Juanita Broderick on Twitter and listen to her story. Mm-hmm. These are evil people. Things like Me Too and We, we Believe All Women, these are, these are filthy words in their mouth. Yeah. Anyways. All of Hollywood knew for years everything the public now knows about Harvey Weinstein. Can confirm. But they still went to his parties and continued to do so right up until their private knowledge became public. Harvey Weinstein, Jeff Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Jeffrey <laughs> Epstein. I didn't know the guy. Um, Placido Domingo. Everybody who's been Me Too'd, that's not all. It's all of them. It's 99.9% of them. It's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. I know. Mom's listening. I think you're beyond that. You think I'm beyond that? Well, thank you. (laughs) But there is something beyond the left's usual odd behavior when their affection for a rapist exceeds their sympathy for a victim. The left has broken away from equality of rights into a bizarre sphere where they claim everything men have traditionally done is what everyone should want to do. This is an interesting point. Uh-huh. They claim that everything women have traditionally done is worthless. Validation is on an exclusively male scale. The left isn't just sexist in this respect. It is misogynistic. It loathes womanhood and envies manhood while understanding neither and failing at both. This is like when you go and see movies... It is just their their depiction of a mighty girl is a woman who can act like a man. Mm-hmm, exactly. And they never talk about families anymore. And like there was even a CDC um, ad, you know, whatever, and it, uh, about pregnancy, about you know, you can pass it on to your baby, 
if you're pregnant, your vaccine immunity, blah, blah, blah. And it's two lesbians, like, cuddling. And you're like, they will go out of their way to not show you the family, the -hmm. traditional family structure. And that's why there is a war on actual womanhood and femininity, because guess who is the center of an actual normal family? It is the woman. Mm-hmm. That's that's what that's how you get a family. Men don't get it on their own. So she really is it. And so, of course, they're going to take women and say, no, you don't want to do girly things or you don't want to have like they used to make great movies like Mrs. Miniva and like very strong roles where women were women and stuff still got done and, and, and things like that. But now now she's got to do the obligatory flying kick on the six Navy SEALs. And she's got to do the power kneel where it says she's got all the power and she's got to ride a motorcycle and she's got to run and gun and never breathe heavy. And then, you know, make some comment about, you know, women's rights. OK, every everything is women now, everything. But every new production is like it's never been done before. I'm like, it's been done 36 times yeah. this week. I know. Um, but there is something beyond the left's. I think you did that one. Okay, where am I at here? Does the left claim that we are all racist and born racist because they themselves are racist? I'm speaking here not of casually offensive remarks or even a certain governor's blackface costumes. I mean the deeply held conviction that certain races are inferior and can succeed, i.e. be like us. Joe Biden, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Mm-hmm. Only with an extensive and patronizing assistance. And... It, it is it is pretty bad when you see when they talk about black people not being able to find the DMV or go to the library or Mexicans not being able to quote unquote get on the internet. I watch my gardeners at work around the neighborhood on the internet on their phones. They have no problem with it. They probably are like buying and trading Bitcoin. <laughs> what conclusion? But I don't sit there and go, oh, poor Juan. If only he could have some chilaquiles and some mole, and he could be on the internet like me, and my special powers of interneting, where I click on all the right things and read articles from NBR and vegan knitting. If only Juan could have those things. I, as a conservative white male, see Juan on his phone, because I actually look at Juan, and I'm like, that dude's probably killing it on, he's stacking sats on Bitcoin. (laughs) I think the best of Juan. I don't think that Juan's an idiot who can't navigate the internet, but guess who does? Mm-hmm. What conclusion should we draw from statements such as poor kids are just as bright as white kids? That's that's Joe Biden. Or the suggestion that blacks and Hispanics don't necessarily know how to get online. Remember when they tried to tell you that the Democrat Party... Um, the Southern racist Democrat Party flipped and became the Republicans. Yeah, right. But you're like, I don't yeah. think you did. No, um, such a lie. Those are both courtesy of Joe Biden, those comments. American blacks, according to this article, American blacks were gaining in wealth faster than any other demographic, and then along came LBJ. Mm-hmm. Let's gather around the Cracker Barrel and talk about LBJ and the old great society. Since then, the left has used minorities as a permanent underclass who are expected to supply votes and menial labor, menial, menial, <laughs> menial, penile, menial, menial labor in exchange for handouts on which the dependence is encouraged. That's for true. Yep. Finally, does the left accuse everyone of trying? This article is jumping on me. 
Finally, does the does the left accuse everyone of trying to overthrow democracy? Because that is precisely what the left is doing. Can I get an amen? Amen. How does hashtag the resistance of the Trump years square with gulag style prisons where January 6th protesters can be punished and tortured? Yeah, you heard that right. Tortured before trial. Mm -hmm. How does General Mark Milley's concern that Trump would attempt to remain in power past the end of his own term square with Milley's decision to take the executive power in his own hands? How does the claim that Republicans want to suppress voter freedom square with the Time article on a quote-unquote well-funded cabal of powerful people in which, and this is me adding this, they bragged about actually stealing the election. That spent hundreds of millions guaranteeing a quote-unquote proper result in 2020. The only one that they would accept. They hadn't accepted four years of Trump. And the only thing that they were going to accept is we now live on a daily basis is their way and there will be no discussion. That's my editorialization. Back to the article. Exactly, but I think it jumped on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, how does the claim that Republicans want to suppress voter freedom square with the Time article of a well-funded uh, cabal by powerful people that spent hundreds of millions guaranteeing a proper result? How does the proposal for a vaccine passport square with opposing photo photo idea voting yeah someone explain that one to me mm -hmm. they they want you to have a passport that identifies everything that you are and who you are visually biometrically but it's racist to have one for voting it's always let me have my cake and eat it too and nothing for you that is the left mm -hmm. just as the man who suspects he's always being cheated thinks of himself as impeccably honest and considers himself driven to cheat and only to order to defend himself the left projects its own flaws on society at large as an excuse for its own behavior, as expiation for its own sins, as atonement for its own weaknesses. The left's policy prescriptions are the black mirror in which their own personality is reflected and amplified. And we thank Belly Dweller for a great article from American Greatness by Dan Gelertner. That was a good one. Yeah. So true. I think the other person who first made that concept known to me, last time you mentioned his name, people were like, oh, I can't believe you said who, his Vox name. Day? Vox Day. Yeah. <laughs> he was the one that was like, life always projects. And, yeah. and you're always like, that's what Vox says. And it's really true. Yeah, it is yeah, true. Absolutely. That is crazy. I think we had one other little comment to discuss today. It was a, it was an email or it was a, it was an article that I sent you in a screenshot of a, of a Twitter, a tweet, Twitter tweet. Huh, You'll go into your, into your, uh, messages. Okay. Was it this one? Yeah. Would you, oh, yeah, would you really read the tweet first? The tweet is by someone named Melanie at wildflower underscore they're quoting, 80. They're quoting an article called quote, the COVID protocol that hospital physicians must follow in lockstep across the U.S. appears to be the implementation of the 2009 to 2010, quote, complete lives system developed by Dr. Ezekiel Emanuel for rationing medical care for people older than 50. And that is from an article? That is from an article. Uh, from the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and the article is entitled lethal connections Co quote complete lives 
morphs into COVID protocol in America's hospitals. And we'll post that article in the um, comments. And it's worth a read, but you have to remember, uh, Ezekiel Emanuel is Rom Emanuel, dead fish Rom Emanuel's um, uh, uh, brother. And this was the guy who, who is a big pro- proponent of euthanasia and no one living past 75. This guy is the living embodiment of, of the inheritance of Joseph Mengele in deciding who gets to live and who doesn't get to live. And, and it, it, he's a dark son of a bitch. But what this article is basically saying is what we're now seeing with COVID is the implementation of his plan, which was called the Complete Lives Plan. And and it's been dialed down now from 75 to 50. And I do think that you are beginning to see this rationing of healthcare. And where this is really going to hit hard is in December. Um, as people begin to have a lot of side effects from the actual vac- vaccination, um, you're going to see people, you, we know about the cancer um, that's kind of out of control, whether that's due to the vaccine or not, don't know. Uh, but there is there is a surge from at least two actual doctors who practice on a daily basis with people in their fields who are saying, hey, we're seeing a surge in cancer and we don't know what it's coming from and some other health problems. I think as we get into winter, and of course people are going to get sick, there will be cold and flus, but right now we're being prepped with this new narrative, which is um, the super cold. Isn't that what they're calling it? I think yeah. so, yeah. At least one we're being told that there's yeah. a super cold on the on the loose. And I think people are, I think people are probably, I, I don't know that it's a super cold. What I think it is, is people have been wearing masks too much and their immunity system is yeah, down. And they're even with the summer and stuff like that, they're not getting, like when I look at Asians where I live, like already people who are um, warrantedly sun phobic because they have, a, they have more problems with skin cancer. That's one of the doctors that I know that works a lot in Asia. And he's like, yeah, they have a little more concern about skin cancer. They're already phobic about the sun as it is. But now they've added shields, masks, gloves. I mean, they're covering every ounce of skin. And the truth of it is, is you've got to have some sunlight. You've got to have sunlight. You've got to get vitamin D. You've got to get real vitamin D through sunlight. This is great for you on health and fitness, uh, mental being, mental mental outlook, all of these things. But it's, it's a great COVID fighter and a sickness fighter. The sun is a natural disinfectant. And it's a, it really does cure. I get a lot of sun. Um, so you're seeing people that have isolated themselves from everybody they haven't picked up the fauna fauna and flora of society they haven't picked up the weaker strains which is like anytime like what should really be happening in the life cycle of this pandemic is this virus should be so weak by now because it's run through everybody probably about two or three times and the problem is, is a lot of people who have delayed that and have weakened their immune system they're going to be compromised. I do think that ultimately it is my contention. I do think the vaccine has most likely damaged or weakened the immune system. We just watched a doctor who went through and did blood slides and showed what happened when you added the vaccine to blood. It immediately oxidized the blood, uh, basically strangling the hemoglobin from getting any kind of oxygen. Um, He did also make the comment, there's a lot of junk in this vaccine. He wasn't willing to go as far as Cthulhu and disc structures, but he did say there's just a lot of crystalline stuff and a lot of um, strings, he called them, and things like that. He's like, these vaccines are incredibly dirty on the inside. 
So there, there is that to consider. My contention is the vaccine is a mini forge. It's going to turn your body. It's going to make your body begin to produce the things that it wants to produce, turning you into a forge. And so you will see those Cthuloid structures and those vaccines later. I know all that sounds crazy. That's just my take. Your mileage may vary. Do whatever you want. Uh, I'd love to be wrong. Again, I'll always say that. Mm-hmm. That qualifier as being wrong. Exactly. And that doctor, by the way, real quick, was Dr. Richard Fleming, because he's been pretty well-known throughout this whole thing. So you might have seen him on other things. He's very reputable, though. Yeah. So basically, you know, what you have now is that, you know, what we're seeing, what, what we really see with Joe Biden's presidency is the continue, continuation of Barack Obama's agenda. And Ezekiel Emanuel was a big part of that agenda until it got in the way of passing Obamacare. And so then they, they basically sidelined him. But what you find with the left is no one's ever really done. You just get dialed back for a few years and then you come back with a vengeance. And this Ezekiel Emanuel guy is a bad, bad man. He's a very bad man with some very um, comprehensive thoughts on the quality of your life and the length of your life. And I'm an American and you're an American and we live in an America where we get our best shot at life and it's ours to do whatever you want with. Do you want to like take drugs and lay down in the gutter? Last time I checked, you could do that. Our cities are filled with people who have chosen to chosen, chosen, <laughs> chosen to choose. I've been listening to a lot of this Italian singer and he uses choose a lot. So forgive me. I'm not an, an idiot, but chosen who have chosen to live their best lives in the gutter. That's in America. You can do that. That's your right. Um, a lot of people want to have a go for it mentality. What we are facing really at the heart of this is a group of people who have decided that they want the only voice, the only discourse, the only decision-making power in your life and the lives of your loved ones about the quality of it, about the how of it, and about the length of it. And I think that is where we are going to disagree. And I do believe from some indicators that I'm getting that a violent disagreement is going to be very soon. And I'm not opposed to that violent disagreement because we are no longer having a discussion. I am all for a discussion. I am all for fair votes. I am all for compromise and all of those things because you cannot have your way all the time whether you like it or not, being in a human society. I have to accept that as a Christian. I have to accept that as a very conservative person, right-leaning. I have to tell you that I understand that there must be compromise, that everybody should be able to come to the table and speak their mind. The arguments should be listened to, voted on, and compromises should be reached. And you have to live with the stuff that you can get, and you have to live with the stuff that you can't get. But the main thing is you have to live and let live. And at no point can you violate someone else's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, freedoms. So I'm all for that. And I think you are too. I'm all for the discussion. As long as there is a fair and honest discussion, I'm all for the discussion. But can anyone point to me right now that there's a discussion? That they're, that they're, that they're, that my rights are being respected, that your rights are being respected, that, that we are having votes that are fair that we are that we are debating the issues with our best our best passionate thinkers on both sides are allowed in the public square to voice their concerns and to plot the courses that they think we might want to follow no 
in the case of the vaccine and in the case of climate change and in the case of every other issue, what I'm being told is one side gets the talking stick and the other side is banned in perpetuity. And so I will let you know now, if that continues, it will be violence. And I'm cool with that. And that's the podcast.